0: Rapture, as Baptist church with us, here in the the experience. With God is good, good to see each and every one of you this evening. Let us go to the Lord prayer. shall we? Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name. We know how to thank you for you. Word, Lord, and we just pray that we look into your Word tonight and speak to it, teach it, to it, to it, to it, to it to your goodness, and your love, Lord. And we pray, Lord God, that if we read, and study your Word, Lord, it would grow. Up. Gospel Of the lost Lord, and I pray, Father God, to be anyone who you can come to know this question, Lord, and say that I might do that But several people that are out sick, Lord, some did are not feeling well, so let them know, Lord, they love and they're praying for them, and they bring them safely back to your house, Lord, and worship you. Do, those that are out of the cavern, know, Lord, they love and pray for us well, and we pray, Father God, that you'll bring them safely home. You say if you do ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're going to be in Judges 13 tonight's Message is called Life Lessons from Samson. Life lessons from Samson. So let's begin. Shall we have it next one? Judges 13, the Samson's soul. Judges 13, let's read verses 24 and 25. The Bible says, So the woman bore a son and called his name Samson. And the child grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to move upon him. So, we get a picture of Samson's birth here. God is new. Verse 25, Here sure the Lord began to move upon him and knock on that hand and, and Eshterah. Let's get to that next time. So, what's in the name? When you get to the name Samson, what's up what, what, in your mind? Uh, strength? Good. Uh, what about long hair? Anybody get the word hippie in there? No? <laughs> Just like you. Uh, So, Samson's name literally means Indeed, I say that. And we kind of shorten it, I guess, kinda of it it's Samson, And literally what it means is glimmery sunlight. Like uh, shimmery sunlight. You ever seen a, a glimmer of sunlight like that? That's what Samson's name means. It uh, means sunlight, a streak of light, something that makes it a beautiful story. And it's a beautiful picture uh, about Samson. And just to give you a little uh background of what's happening with Samson. Samson of course born to a mom and dad who are hurting, and born to a time in Israel when they're hurting. In fact, the main question they have is, God, we're hurting, what are you going to do about it? God, when are you going to deliver us, and God, when are you going to help us? And God sends this particular judge named Samson. Now, God has already sent some judges before, and each one had a particular job and had a particular way of doing things. Each judge had their own Culture, if you will, on how they judge Israel. And so by the time they got used to this particular judge, they would usually die, or God would raise up another judge to take that place there. And so now we meet a man named Samson. Samson has a whole different attitude for judging. And so, of when we think about judging, we like to think in a Western mindset of someone coming to a courtroom and we're making a judgment call on a case, right? On some, something that's moral something that's civil or something that's applicable in a law that we have written. When I think about judging like that, but well, biblically, judging is a little bit different. Judging is, I'm going to lead the people to accomplish a particular task. That's judging, there. So that's what judges were here Not uh, in it. this. And you get a picture of Samson as a judge here. So look at me at his name. So judge means sunlight. Let's move on to the next slide. So what does sunlight do, if you were to think about that? Well, of course, it gives us light to see. Sunlight gives us light to see. Without sunlight, it's kind of hard to see. And if some of us here in Texas are ready for some of that sunlight to start getting less hot, can I get an amen on that? Right. So what does sunlight do? It gives us light to see. It also gives us health. Sunlight gives us health. It gives us vitamin D. It gives us all kinds of vitamins and minerals. And a lot of times it can detoxify a particular piece of flesh or something of that nature. Sunlight is a beneficial. But, however, too much sunlight can cause problems as well. Sunburns and things of that nature. Uh, but there's a distinction. Samson is every one of those. He is sunlight that brings health. He's a glimmery sunlight that brings peace. And he brings uh, health to flesh. But too much of him creates a problem as well, like a sunburn. That's exactly the picture we need to have with Samson. Here, let's find out a little bit about him next. So backing up just a little bit, let's learn a little bit about what Samson was. Samson is going to be given the Nazarite vow. His mom and dad are going to declare him to be a Nazarite. And so just so you'll know what a Nazarite is, if you would look in the book of Numbers chapter 6, we'll give a little background of what the Nazarite vow is. Uh, verse 1 says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speaks to the children of Israel, says to them, When either a man or a woman consecrates an offering to take the vow of a Nazarite, he separates himself to the Lord. Come there it is. He shall separate himself from wine and similar drink. He shall drink neither vinegar made from wine nor vinegar made from similar drink. Neither shall he drink any grape juice nor eat fresh grapes or raisins. Some of you would say amen on the raisins there. All the days of the separation he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grape vine from seed to skin. Verse 5, all the days of the vow of the separation no razor shall come upon his head the days of fulfilled for which he separated himself from the Lord. He shall be holy. Then he shall let the locks of the hair of his head grow. In verse 6. No. that's not in there. No, sir. That's my fault. That's close enough, there. You get an idea of what a Nazarite is. A Nazarite is a person that's set aside for the service of the Lord, uh, to be given to the Lord, and God gets to choose how he wants to use him or her. The marks of a Nazarite is when they make that vow, they can no longer have any alcohol. They can no longer eat anything from the grapevine. And they can no longer be it uh, get a little harder and harder as they grow uh, in Israel. They can no longer be around dead people, dead things. you know, get the vow get a little stiffer as it grows in it. So by Samson's time timeframe though, uh, Nazarite vows, no longer were they having any erasions. When the vow was complete, they can cut their hair off. Yeah, you know, and when, when we comes about cutting their hair off, every bit of it, eyebrows, underarm hair, the whole nine yards, leg hair. They would shave everything off like that. And that was the mark of the completion of the vow. And then when it blew back, that was how it begun there. life. So uh, you get a picture of Samson being dedicated as a Nazarite. Right? So he's a holy person, supposed to live a holy life. Now, let's learn a little bit more about that. Next slide, please. Christians is Nazarites. Jesus is the Nazarene. And so a lot of scholars, now I'm not sure I agree with him in this, but a lot of scholars believe that we come under that same vow because Jesus is a Nazarene, that we fall under that Nazarite vow. And so some people would be asked to do that. Some people would say, yep, we surely do. But That's for you to choose tonight. I'm not going to go down that road with you. Uh, but I will tell you this right here. Uh, Samson was a Nazarite. Of that Nazarite vow, you get a picture of how strict his life was. He couldn't be around dead things, he couldn't be, have his hair cut until his vow was completed, and he couldn't eat certain food. So, not only did he have to live kosher, he had to refrain from certain other foods that would bring about the ending of his vow. As I said before, some Christians believe that we fall underneath that Nazarite vow as well because Jesus is a Nazarene that puts us the Nazarite vow. You get to choose. Whether or not you fit under that or not. Uh, but that's why some churches hold to no alcohol at all. Is that the reason why we in the church do? No, it's not. But uh, some churches do hold to that. So, anyway, with that in mind, you need to know that Samson was a Nazarite. Next slide, please. So, Samson's life lessons is how we're going to learn from him. And this is the number one lesson we're going to learn is how not to get a haircut. Somebody say amen. Because you know what happens to Samson? Samson's raised in Nazarite, Samson is a little bit, let's put it out there, Samson's a little bit rash, isn't he? Samson sees, Samson does. Samson wants, Samson takes. Samson is a little bit, just a little bit, and it's usually based around what's happening around his family, around him at that time. So let's jump ahead to Judges 14, and let's begin Samson's story. Remember, we're looking at how not to get a haircut. Remember, when he cuts his hair, it ends his vow. You know the story of Samson? He's going to be married. He's going to move AY. He's going to get himself uh, remarried to Delilah. And, of course, Delilah is going to give him over to the after several times. He's going to actually tell her what the secret, if you will, of the strength is. And can I be honest with you? Do you think long hair would make him strong? Absolutely not. Uh, however, the ending of his vow comes becomes weak and he moves his strength and of course he gets captured by the Philistines and his life becomes extremely miserable from that time. So let's take a look in Judges 14. Let's read verses one Now, Samson went down to Timnah and saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. So he went up and told his father and mother saying, is saying? I've seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore, get her for me So I've always found this to be very interesting. Uh, Number one, he's really not supposed to be looking at a Philistine for wives, is he? He really shouldn't be. Uh, How come? Why is that? There's lots of reasons for that. Number one, we're supposed to be equally young. What happens when you marry somebody outside of your faith? Is there going to be problems? You better believe there is. You better believe this. Let me tell you this right now. Let me make it absolutely positively clear. As a Christian... We are supposed to marry another born-again, blood-bought, redeemed Christian. If you are, listen to me, if you are a Christian who's on fire for the Lord, and you marry a lukewarm Christian, there's already going to be problems. Let alone if you marry someone who's not a Christian. There's going to be all kinds of problems in there. As a pastor, I refuse to marry somebody who's a Christian and somebody who's not a Christian. If one of them comes to me and says, I'm a Christian, the other one says, no, I'm not, I will not perform that service. And they have been angry at me before and say, why not? And I say, my Bible tells me we're not to be unequally yoked. And I'll tell that man or that woman, it's your job, if you love that person, to lead them to Jesus Christ. Come talk to me when you're both professing, born-again Christian members of a church somewhere. And by then, you can probably have a pastor do the marriage for you. Of course I usually is the conversation but I do it mean, in a church. What happens though when a on fire Christian, someone who's active and involved in their church, marries somebody who's just a two sitting person? Does it happen? Of course it does. But what happens inside of that Christian walk? Well, usually the one who's not quite so active pulls the one who's active back. Whether it be male or female. Listen to me now. Whether it be man or woman, the one who's lukewarm and the one who stays a mediocre, if you will, Christian is the one who pulls back the other and says, you're just too busy. You're just too active. You're too much of a part of the church. I need you to be more with me. The born-again, blood-bought, redeemed Christian supposed to be bringing that person with him up into being on fire for God. But what happens is he allow them in the name of love to pull us back. Samson goes out to get a filthy. Now, we know from Scripture, that God is working and God is judging and God is going to use Samson to judge the Philistines as part of the plan here. But we're going to leave that at that and we're going to look at the spiritual picture and we're not supposed to be looking uh, for people like this as a wife or as a husband here. So let's learn how not to get a haircut. Well, number one, if you don't want to get your hair cut, if you don't want to ruin your Nazarite vow, if you don't want to be in problems with your vow to God, then you need to start doing things right. And when we start doing things right, that means we keep our commitment to the Lord. Can somebody say amen tonight? When you make a vow to God, you keep that vow to God. When you have a promise to God, you keep that promise to God. When you make a commitment, you keep that commitment that applies also to fathers, to their sons, mothers, to their children, husbands to wives, and wives to husbands. When you make that promise, you keep that promise. If you don't keep it to God, you won't keep it to anybody. You can look at God and say, He doesn't care, and He'll overlook it, and you'll do the same thing with your spouse, with your children, with your in-laws, with your family and well. You'll start saying, Nobody cares. So you seem to become lukewarm, sitting in the pew saying, come back here with me. Instead of saying, I need to get with you. How do we not get a haircut? Number one, you keep your for the world. you What was it done you 14 years and 25 years? Now, Samson went down to Timnah, saw a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. They so went up and told his father, and his mother said, I've seen a woman in Timnah of the daughters of the Philistines. Therefore, get her for me as a wife. And if you were a, at this time, Hebrew family, how do you think you'd react? Some of us would say, absolutely, positively not. Some of us would say, you're not supposed to have that kind of wife. Let's find out what's happened here next slide. Verse 3, and his father and mother said to him, Is there no woman among the daughters of your brethren or among all my people that you must go and get a wife from the uncircumcised Philistine? And once he says uncircumcised, what she's saying there, and what his father's saying there is, This is a person who does not believe what we believe. They don't know the Lord. They're not in the covenant. They're not part of God's people. They're uncircumcised. That doesn't mean, listen to me now, that doesn't mean they're not part of the religion. That means they're not in the relationship, the covenant of God. This particular person you want me to go get is an uncircumcised Philistine. And Samson said to his father, get her for me, she pleases me well. When you let your desires take the place of your commitment to God, you're on your way to get a haircut. You're on your way to getting a haircut. Look at me in verse 4. But his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord that he was seeking an occasion to move against Philistines, Philippines, for at that time the Philippines had dominion over Israel. we will talk a little bit about Samson. I love Samson. Samson is one of those gung-ho, I see a need. I jump into it without thinking before I do it. Do you know anybody like that? Samson is that kind of guy. And sometimes he acts before he prays. Do you know a guy like that? Sometimes he says, man, I see what needs to be done here. I'm going to jump in and do it without talking to God, without talking to people around me, without building a plan, and I'm just going to make it happen here. And so if you look in verse 4 and look at it carefully, his father and mother did not know that it was of the Lord that he was seeking an occasion to move against the Philistines. Let's talk about God. Does God have to have an occasion to do anything? No. Samson is the one who has to have an occasion to do it. Samson is trying to make an opportunity for God to work. And that's going to bring us to the number one problem in our haircut Christian life, if you will, is when we try to make an occasion for God. You don't need to make an occasion for God. God makes all the occasions. In fact, God makes an occasion for you. Here we have Samson trying to make an occasion for God. I want to make it possible for God to work. Have you ever been that way in your young Christian life? I was. I want God to do this for me, so I'm going to open up the door for me. You know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of another Hebrew patriarch who God came and said, you're going to have a son in your old age and your wife, Sarah, Eve, your wife, Sarah, is going to give you a son from her own body, a son from your body in her old age. And they said, oh Lord, oh Lord, I'm tired of waiting. Let's make an occasion for God to do this. Oh Hagar, where are you? Oh Hagar, where are you? And of course, a boy is born, and his name is Ishmael, a thorn in Israel's side. He wanted to make an occasion for God to work. We don't make occasions for God to work. What we need to do is sit back, find out what God wants us to do, join Him, and we get the blessing. Now, let's take a look at the next slide, please. A woman of Timnah. Be careful of what you wish for, you just might get it. Somebody say, Amen. I used to say that to the, the Muslims I used to work with in the prison system all the time. We had a particular uh, United States regime that was in office at the time, and they were very pro-Islam, this regime was very pro-Muslim, and very friendly toward that. And they were you know, clapping and praising uh, their God, and they would oftentimes throw that into our face. And I remember telling to them to be careful what you wish for, young lady. You just might get it. She said, what do you mean? I said, did you find out how they treat? women over in Saudi Arabia and treat women in Iraq and Iran and Afghanistan. Find out if they really care about women's rights like you think they do. Careful what you wish for. You just might get it. So the guys over there, the guys who are Muslim, they believe that when they die and go to heaven, if they're worthy of being in paradise, they receive seven of those Muslim brides that are perpetually virgin. It must not be heaven for those women. It must be hell. Amen? It must be hell for them. for that. Careful for what you wish for. You just might get it. Samson wants to make an occasion for God to work by marrying into the Philistines. And let me tell you something when you marry a non believer, then you're going to have non believing actions in your house. When you let something not of God into your house, you're going to have something that's not of God running around in your house. I think it's odd. I think it's amazing that people who let horror movies, who let witchcraft, who let things of sin in their house and then wonder why God's not blessing them. And they often say that all the time. Why is not God doing this? He went and found a wife of Timna. He found a woman of Timna. So it goes with things of the world. Sometimes we get caught up in it. We get caught up what we want. I want this woman. She pleases me well. I want that. It pleases me well. I want to see that. I want to read that. I want to watch that. You don't need that stuff. You're a born again, blood-bought Christian. And we don't need to read anything about witchcraft. Amen? You don't need that. Next slide, please. The woman of Timna again. Samson marries her and experiences nagging and whining. Once again, once again, careful what you wish for. You just Incidentally, if you'll read the rest of the story as he's running away from his nagging why he come across the lion? He slays this lion. The God comes upon him, and the Bible tells us about him very picturesquely grabbing this lion's jaws and ripping it apart. That's off. That's super strong. You ever stayed too long and thought of a victim and uh, never dwelt in the past. I kind of like to drive driving down the highway. You do it 75 miles an hour. Everybody's doing 75 or 80. And your exit's coming up. Your GPS is telling you, turn right now. And you make it fall. And you stop praise God, for singing at to the top of your lungs. looking up at the top of your car. And you miss your next That's what happens when you stay in your victory too long. You stay, and stays stay in your victory of line entirely too long. Kid and he went back to see the lion later on. He has to go back and say, Man, I need to check that lion out again. And he finds something inside of it. You remember what he finds in there? He finds a beehive. Well, growing up in Texas, we don't mess with beehives. <laughs> we don't do that. You end up getting yourself stung. Well, he goes back and he finds a beehive, and he ends up eating the honey out of the mouth of that dead lion, making it. trouble. Nazarite's back. How do you not get a haircut? The first thing you got to do you got to let God's will be done, not your will. If you want to be in God's army, if you want to be part of God's Nazarite vow, and God's Nazarite people, then you need to start understanding it's all about God, it's not about Samson, it's not about what you did with a lion, it's not about what's in that lion's mouth later on. It's all about what God did, the God comes upon cancer, the children. Let's take a look at the next slide. Of time to me the lion, the Satan goes around like a roaring lion, doesn't he? Seeking whom he may devour. Just look at me, first, Peter five eight. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, your enemy, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That word "may" is the word of. In other words, you go around thinking up, to allow him to devour you. When you let the devil devour you, you go looking after a wife of sin, you go looking after a woman of the Philistines. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, my little brother, my brother's dead. My little brother, Santa, had grown some long hair. I mean, longer than mine. So he's and on top of
1: that, though, know, I remember
0: when he became a Christian, he got six years off standing back at church. I remember when he came home, he had this long, shoulder length, blonde hair. And I remember, I think the time for me to get a haircut is because he can read in his body. He was convicted. I think he's going to cut his arm. And I remember when that happened. He sat up in the chair, and my mom cut her hair in those days. My mom cut his hair, and I made a joke. I ran up to him and said, Boy, you ever run from here and hide in a barber shop, we will never find you. You gives permission to the devil eat you up. He will not you. He won't sit back and say, I'll take it back. He won't sit back and say, I'll count to 10 Or I'll let you want a fight. He won't sit back and say, ee me miny, mine mo If you give him permission to devour you, he will eat you on the spot. Right then, right there, in front of every body. He goes about. Seeking who he may devour, roaring like a lion. He lets people know where he is. He lets people know what he's doing. He lets people know where he's at. And incidentally, if you've been one of those this week, perhaps exactly you're online. You've been telling me, Pastor Brother Joshua, the devil's been attacking me this week. He's been roaring like a lion. Don't give him any more permission to eat anything else in your life. Not one. He can only devour not devour when you say God. No. That's like this. And later on, you probably know the story of Samson. He ends up in the concept of Adam's Will. He ends up losing a bet to the degree. And he ends up paying for it. That's how he pays for that bet. And he does. Samson's a little violent in that day. He does bring God's judgment upon the Philistines. He does it in the a way that we probably don't like. Look at me in Judges 15, verse 1 to 8. After a while, in the time of wheat harvest, it happened that Samson visited his wife with a young goat. And he said, let me go into my wife under her room. And now, I don't need, you don't need me a rocket scientist to find that But her father would not permit him to go in. So her father said, I really thought he you thoroughly hated her. Remember, she nagged and nagged and nagged. Therefore, I gave her to your companion. Not her younger sister, very than she please take her instead. I married her off. I got more money. I sold her not one. what what? Chancellor said, think it was the, next said the end of this time I shall be a blameless two daughters, and so peace by on them. And Santa went and caught three hundred foxes and he took torches, turned the foxes tail to tail, and put a torch between each pair of tail. And so a lot of people like to think about can't be tying those tails together with ropes. I don't know how he did it. that's possible awesome, that maybe the way he did it, maybe he actually tied the tails together, breaking both. I don't know. All I know is the Bible tells us he turns them around and faces them tail to tail and gets them together, put torches between them. He lets them go and burns up the field. Just find out what happens. First, fire when he set the torches on fire, he let the horses go into the standing grain of the Philistines and burned up both the shops and the standing grain as well as the vineyards and all of the world He set fire to them burns them out, creates an economical problem, a social problem, creates a problem in the land of Philistines. let find out what happens. Just Verse 6, Philistines said, Who has done this? And they answered, Samson, the son-in-law of the Tenite, because he had taken his wife and given her to his companion." So the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. Well, that's justice to the people. Do we want that kind of justice in America? Do we want that kind of justice in the church? No. No, we don't. Let me tell you something. Biblically, you are the one who pays for your sins. And when you become a Christian, Jesus Christ paid for your sins. And that's how it works like that. So, uh, these people here got angry at the Timnite and they burned him and his God. I think that's a shame Well, that makes us feel better. Jesus Verse 7. Samson said to them, Since you would do a thing like this, I will surely take revenge on you. And after that, I escaped. Even Samson said, This is a you know, this was not right. So he attacked them hip and thigh with great slaughter. And so there's been a lot of debate on what hip and thigh is, but I, I need you to understand it, and he just Samson used every available part of his body to hit him, to kick him, to bite him, to attack him. It did not matter. He used hip and thigh. He used all his strength. When you're boxing, you learn when you throw that big, heavy, right, that finishing haymaker, if you will, that KO punch, you turn your hips into it. You turn your thighs into it because you do it not just with your arms. You do it with your shoulders. You do it with your hips. You do it with your thighs to create that knockout punch. And Samson attacks them with every bit of the strength with a great slaughter. And he went down and dwelt in the chest of the rock of Tom. So Samson is a quite colorful character for our little Bright ray of sunshine. He is a destroyer of Philistines. He's a burner of fields. He's a luster of Philistines. On top of that, his wife learned quickly trying to nag this guy, he'll get up and leave. There's a lot to learn about that if we look at Samson and Minerva, but we're not going to spend on that slide. Take a look at the next slide. The foxes. They tell, tell, report in the middle. 300. Burned up in the fields. trees seduaries. Burned twice. sand what can we learn from those fires? What can we learn from that fire? I want you to know something. Are you ready? I want you to know something about the Word of our God. The Bible tells us the Word of the Lord is a consuming fire. God's Word will start a fire in your life, and God will burn up your vice. If you will let him get the sign, means a complete victory over it. Crippled, disabled. God's victory is complete. What you've got to do, though, is let God do the work. Don't make opportunities for him to do that. Incidentally, God doesn't really need your help. He needs you. Next slide. So enters Delilah. That's everybody's favorite story in Samson. That's usually the one we know most about. Judges 16, verse 4. Afterward, it happened he loved a woman in the valley of Phorex. His name was Delilah. He fell in love with her. The other woman thought she was beautiful. The other woman said, I'd like to have her as a wife. But the Bible says it's different Judges 16, verse 4 says he loved a woman in the valley of Jesus. He fell in love with her. Let's find out what happened with Delilah. Next time I Delilah's word. Literally, Delilah means language. Her name means language. Well, probably not a name you'd be proud of. Huh? To the language, to become invalid, unmoving, drooping, Delilah created an unmoving, ungrowing statue. She made him sodded inside of the house. She kept him from being where he was supposed to be. And incidentally, if you're a woman doing his job of being a father and what you really are is becoming a Delilah. Don't be a Delilah. Don't languish him. Let's take a look at next So here comes the haircut. Remember the Nazarite vow? After the haircut ends up ruining that vow. Now he always done the things to ruin that vow. Number one to eat the honey out of something unclean. And if you read the whole story, he gives give some of that honey to his mom and dad. actually believes his hair is a strength. He actually tells Delilah, finally, actually, my Bible says, to the point of where he's about to die, he says, listen, if you'll cut my head out. I'll come here. We know from scripture, we know from personal experience, and we know from Christian experience, hair has nothing to do with it. It don't matter if you have a Mohawk. It don't matter if you have an afro. God's spirit is where the strength comes We know from reading the scriptures, when Samson got strong, the Spirit of God came upon him. Not that his hair was long, not that it was overgrown or bushy, or that it was even short. It was strong because God's Spirit came upon him. There are some things we can learn from Samson. Let's take a look at those next time. Well, here's a haircut for you. This is the famous one of Samson. Get his haircut. How about that one? Yeah. Well, we'll go back to the other guy. Yeah. Isn't he beautiful? That's called a reverse mohawk. That's what that's called. And then of course, my personal favorite, the Catholic. Hey, the Catholic monk right there. Hair. That's what we're really looking at tonight. Hair. Hair. You know from Scripture, hair isn't really what Gain the in the Spirit of God is. But hair was the symbol that Samson was living in God's will. And I want you to know something. You've got symbols of living in God's will in your life as well. We've all got them. Some are different for each and every one of us. Some are the same for some of us. And some are completely all their own. What is your symbol of being in God's will? What is it that brings comfort to you? What happens when you are all alone and you're walking that stormy night, and you know that nobody's with you, and you know that you've stepped out of God's will, and you know that you've sinned, and you know that you've done wrong, and then you cry out to God, God, give me peace, God, forgive me. And out of a sudden, that little symbol comes. That little bit of comfort that you've been looking for. Whatever it may be. Some people have told me stories about pastors. I was looking for God. Felt like I'd moved a million miles from them. But when I cried out, God, I want to come home, I looked up and I saw, I saw the shadow of the cross. I've been a young youth minister here at Rob Baptist Church many, many, many years ago. I was a junior high youth minister. I had a fifth quarter function here. That's a function after a football game. We went out and invited people to come. The fifth quarter, after the game, we came to the fifth quarter to watch the movie. We had a special devotion. It was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful time I had a a family who was helping me a lot in that fifth quarter. Her children came to my Sunday school at junior high level. And I remember they didn't show up that Sunday morning to church. I wondered about this. I wondered what was going on. I prayed for them. As we went into church, they couldn't show up went through the song service. They still didn't show up. The preaching started. They still didn't show up. Halfway through the sermon, the door back there opened it. and then she walked to the pew. you can tell, she's upset there. Two streets on her face. She sits down in the pew and she starts sliding over to me. I said, where you been? How are you doing? Are you okay? She said, no, I'm not okay. I had a bad fight with my husband and he went off to work. He was in the army. He went off to work and I said, I am not going to church today. I can't go to church like this. And I cried out to God, God, surely you understand. God, you know my heart. And she said, I took my youngest kid to the restroom. She said, I raised up the toilet seat. On the bottom of the toilet seat was Brad's church. And then God spoke to me, What is your little symbol? It doesn't matter what it is. You know that God speaks to you through your scripture. Something similar comes back. Samson was his hair. Was his hair. And when he lost his hair, he felt like he lost his relationship with God. He felt like everything was gone and over. He felt like that guy was in the first mohawk. What is yours? Online, you say, Pastor Joshua, I need that symbol. I don't know what it is. But you do. Let's take a look a little bit at him. Hair. H. If we were to just break down hair and have separate little meanings, each letter hair. H heavenly. In your witness. If you are going to be back in God's will. If you need to have that symbol that God is with you, that He'll never leave you nor forsake you, that He's heard you, that He's forgiven you, I want you to know, listen to me now, Christian, I want you to know, and you need to understand that there's nothing you can do to make God love you any more than He already does. You can't make Him love you more. You can't make Him love you less. He loves you. He takes your worth as long as you Son. Be used more by him. You can be available more to him. But it doesn't change. Right so we to look at stamps and symbols and care. We to break it down, what it means to him. Perhaps, this is what it meant for him. That in his witness, Second Corinthians five verse twenty, he was an ambassador for Christ and the apostle Paul. Perhaps the eighth means heaven in my witness. You need to put a little heaven in your witness. Last time you had a witness? What was the last time you shared the gospel with somebody? Perhaps you need to start getting a little heavy in your presentation of your witness. Perhaps we need to help you in your scripture. Perhaps we need to get that back in our lives. Let's take a look at the A. A. Advancing towards the center. You heard the old story about the British general? his little regiment and moved away. The whole company, they got whittled down for just a few minutes. Completely surrounded, cut off from the rest of the British Army. And they looked at the general and said, what are we going to do now? And the general said, we got them, finally. The enemy's to the front of us. The enemy's behind us. The enemy's to the left of us and to the right of us. Finally, they have nowhere to run. that look at the 1.3. Pulling him. Go get them, Christian. They need the answer. You've got it. you also got an advantage. That's what your A stands for. Advantage. You have every advantage over them, every advantage over the devil, every advantage over the world, every advantage over your flesh because you have the Holy Spirit. Amen. Perhaps your A means alarming. Don't be afraid to speak. I think the world needs an alarming message right now that Jesus Christ is returning I think they need to be reminded that God has appointed a the day in which He will judge this world in righteousness. Not happiness. Not fairness. Not to our standards. But in righteousness. Be alarming. And don't be afraid to speak about the consequences. You should be alarmed at how close the return of Christ is. Romans 13.11 says, Our salvation is nearer now than when we first need Next slide. I, i kind of told this from pure theology. Irresistible. Irresistible grace. <laughs> grace is getting this little to the sinner. you got to make the sinner desire to cross. How do you do that? Most of us want to make grace look greasy and coffee and kissy. All you really need to do is tell them how bad the sin really is. You understand when a person goes into the doctor's, the doctor doesn't spend any time telling you about how good the cure is He tells you how bad the disease is and how you you don't need to spend time telling them how great Jesus' life is. You tell them how bad sin is and that you need to be saved. No, run. run to the cross. Run to the cross. Cling to it because it's the only answer. Make grace the Make it iconic. When you witness your symbol make it iconic. Use the cross. Use the Bible. Be iconic. Use clever little stories in Matthew. Use them. Like hair. Be illuminating. Shinsome. Or sunlight. Be illuminating. Use God's Word to illuminate the sinner to God's truth. Share with them the gospel. Share with them what happens when we become a Christian. The next one. R. R. This is my favorite one. Be real. Be real. Nothing worse than someone who's a Christian Sunday morning and not a Christian Monday morning. Nothing worse than that. Does it happen every day? Does it happen all the time? Nothing blows your witness, nothing blows your testimony like hypocrisy. Be real mystic. Incidentally, people are mystic. And you can find the average American very mystic. What about you, but I live, take that. <laughs> I'm mystically blessed, don't you? Be reverent, too. Be reverent in your relationship with God. Be reverent in your relationship with your friends. Be reverent in your relationship because you're with your friends. That means you need to learn to respect Him. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 22 says, I become all things to all men, and I might say, oh, this is the to be Paul. Speaking to the church of Corinth. You know, the church is all about a church that has fallen in sin, or at least some members have fallen in sin, and started having division, they started splitting, they started saying, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. I'm falling after Paul. I'm following after Jesus. I'm falling after Peter. I'm going after Paul. And on top of that, I a young man. years ago I sat down with another next I talked to him about this verse. I become all things to all men that I might say something. He said, I can't do it. What do you mean you can't do it? Because if I go somewhere where they're not Jewish, I can't stick to I said, no, be like Paul, keep your hand behind your back. <laughs> the truth is become all things to all men reach them where they are. Go where they are. Find them on their level. If that means you have to lower yourself, lower yourself. If you have to raise yourself up, raise yourself up. Go get them. Why? Because God knows. Okay. There is What's Whatever it may be. I don't know what it is. You do. Perhaps you've been asking God, Show to you for the last couple of days. Maybe you've tonight. Perhaps you to say, Pastor John, I need to become a Christian. You've been reading my me, you talked about being unequally yoked, and I've been trying to chase this guy and this gal. This this not a Christian. And Pastor said, Brother John, I've been hanging out with people who are not Christians, and what's done is pulled me away, pulled me down, and I need to be pulling them up. Perhaps you need to come tonight, and say, you. forgive me, strengthen me. Don't go back down that road. Remember, you need to be real. Remember, you need to be reverent. Remember, you need to be respectful. Find out what God has to do. With you. Do I have another slide back there? So, what happens to Samson at the end? Samson chapter 16, Judges 16, So, You're going to find out that Samson does end up having a successful life at the end. The pace The Bible tells us, verse 19, it says, Delilah, she loathed him to sleep on her knees. Called for a man, and had been saved on the seven hours of his day. And she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, Philistines are upon you, Samson, for he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out of the floor of the time to shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had departed him. Took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bonds, fetters and he became a in the prison. Next slide. You know the story of Samson how it ends? Samson put in prison, he's brought inside the temple of their god, David. They make fun of him, they make sport of him. Eventually, though, of his relationship with God being restored. His prayer life picks back up. Scripture becomes real in his life again. His relationship becomes real. Even though he lost his eyes, he actually begins to be able to see. The Bible tells us he places himself between the pillars of the temple. He places him down. Bringing the judgment. To close in a word of prayer and perhaps see the come to Jesus. Not say, like Sam said, I need to really see him finally. you be willing to come, perhaps say, Lord well Josh, you need to be a part of the church, the case may be. When we'll you get the opportunity to do that, let's pray we come to God. Father, it you now in Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you for your word. Your word is quick and it's powerful. It's sharper than you need to ensure. And I pray you now, you take charge Lord. If any hearts, any souls, Lord, you can get right into it. today become a Christian. If you let them come, Lord. Praise, honor, and this thing. Lord, I'm coming home. Come away, come. Would you come? Come Samson. He's trying to he? Come on. Come on worship, with us Don't forget, we'll be meeting tomorrow night at the top of the way of the master. And don't forget our next upcoming event on Tuesday, the Lady of Bible study. Wednesday, normal services here. Thursday, Men's Bible study. Get me a part of those things. Get plug in and find out what God is doing we'll at Rock Family Baptist Church. Well, let's close in that word of prayer, and I hope to see you guys over the next couple of days. And I'm going to ask you guys to bet, you know, be close to the You're loaded.